welcome back to the Hex Drinkers House of Commons, your one-stop shop for all things competitive and at the common rarity. And in this case today, we are looking at things outside of magic at the common rarity. Chev, we have a special guest. Uh, it's Travis joining us to talk about Flesh and Blood. Yeah, hey, welcome, yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Welcome, Travis Tangible Zarfling. <laughs> is that I, a D&D &D thing? First, what is a Zarfling? So, to summarize it, kind of a whole long story. It is a uh, creature I came up with that is all about uh, positive energy. Goes nice. way into my whole children's book publishing business. But uh, yeah, that's that's where it stems from. A zarf is that cardboard sleeve that you have on your to-go cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> that's that's the uh, the weird word of the day that you now can say that you uh, you learned. Wow, I'll uh, I'll be sure we're entering holiday season. I'm sure my mom will be upset to see that on the Scrabble board. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like a, so. Uh, what? What's that technical term for the thing on the end of a shoelace? Remember, everyone learned oh, that. God. It was like, yeah, I don't know. That, well, now we're Aglet. we're moving it to Zola. H E L E T for you Scrabble players. Aglet. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. We're covering all games this week. So, um. um Travis, if, if if you don't mind, why don't you uh, talk a would you talk a little bit about yourself? You know, um, we we kind of see you as a bit of a bridge between Flesh and Blood and Pauper PDH, kind of having your your foot in both worlds. How'd you get into into these games? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely the uh, the bridge between these. Is I'm kind of like a, a well trodden bridge to different things. I'm not really uh, the competitive type of player uh, of any game. I'm I'm very much an avid casual player and that leads me to go into different game mm -hmm. stores when I, when I visit towns for, for work or for um, any reason I'm, I'm near a game store I just jump in and happen to be where I was playing commander one guy was playing uh, popper I, I found out about that and then I found out oh well here's a, a popper version of commander I got into that and then I went into another store one time and someone was playing flesh and blood I thought well that's cool I wonder if there's a popper version of flesh and blood and i looked at that and that was there so i'm just kind of like the guy that that jumps in and asks questions and and just enjoys the experience so that's that's, awesome. that's really what got me into the games is not really any kind of a scene other than just uh genuine curiosity i, I like how games bring people together and, and i just like sitting down at a table when i'm seeing people play it and ask them not just about the game but what brought them into playing the game Damn. So you, awesome. you do the, the little bit of interviewing by yourself, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm a nosy guy. Yeah. That's fantastic, you know, traveling the world and, and playing all these different games. We'll let the uh, the non-competitiveness slide for now. Uh, you know, normally oh, yeah. we, we're an aggressive bunch, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there will be times where I'll sabotage myself just to make the experience better. So definitely oh. not the competitive guy. It definitely sounds like a Zarfling, if I've ever heard of one five minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long have you been uh, playing uh, Pauper uh, Magic as well as Flesh and Blood? Are these newer experiences for you, or you uh, have you been going at it for a while? So, Magic, like a on and off thing since as old as I'm, you know, high school in the 90s when the game was pretty much just being... Uh, made available at baseball card, you know, stores, and then didn't get back into it uh, as, like, a, a serious interest, um, aside from checking out, you know, here and there over the years. 
um, until I was deployed overseas. And we got a care package from Wizards of the Coast that had like a, a, a deployment pack. It's like basically like a, a two-player. I forget the format that was in there. But my coworker and I asked him if he had played Magic before. And we both remember, you know, from when we played it before we got into playing the game with this uh, deployment pack. And then we went on Amazon and bought some box of like a whole bunch of random cards where they guarantee, you know, X amount of rare cards and all this stuff, right? And then we just kind of made up our own thing where we were just playing regular magic with, I, I guess it would be like legacy, right? We we're just playing cards from whatever span of time yeah, that yeah. have to have, right? And then from there, I was looking at, well, we sure are getting a bunch of commons. And that's why I just not saying um, I had an idea without knowing about it, but I was like, <laughs> Maybe it'd be fun to play uh, games where you're using all because we would only have you know like I said so many of the the higher rarity cards. So I was making a deck or here or there with mostly commons, and he's like, "Well, that's not the strongest of decks." I said, well, "Yeah, well, I have more cards to choose from." And so then yeah. it got to where I started looking at the actual formats when I got back to the states and wanted to play with people uh, in a more social capacity than just my buddy playing one on one. And that's how eventually I just got to where I realized that. Not only were we playing Legacy one on one, but then I found out about Commander, and then I really oh, I was kind of making up a, a format of Popper without realizing it, and so yeah, it just kind of happened all, you know, uh, I'd say organically, but yeah, just making it up as I went along. That's awesome. Yeah, hearing everyone's kind of getting into Magic stories are always great because there is that for for ninety nine percent of people, unless you know your friends are an established group and they bring you in. Um, for 99% of people, you do start with that sort of messing with a massive bunch of cards. You just find random ones. You're not aware of the formats. The kitchen table magic that's kind of talked about is the, the largest user base of MTG. And so hearing how people kind of split into different formats from that is incredibly interesting. I think we we went right into janky uh, commander decks um, where we, we, had, we, we knew standard was a thing, realized that was kind of limiting, and then just made horrible, horrible 100-card decks. Uh, but it, it's cool to see, you know, noticing the trends, a lot of commons going into common first. And then with, well, with Flesh and Blood only being three years old, that one has to be a little bit more recent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I went from, um, like you said, my uh, coworker and I played in the game, and then we invited a, a third coworker who had never played the game and kind of accidentally making Commander with a, a four-card format, you know, that didn't make any sense to me <laughs> saying, okay, um, I've messed around with magic enough to have an idea of what this game's like. Let me try a, a completely new game. And then that's when I saw different options out there. You know, I saw um, the other, you know, established games. I thought, well, let me try something, you know, completely new. I saw Flesh and Blood on the the shelf of a, a game store. I, I got a, a Blitz pack and I thought, well, this is kind of neat oh, yeah. because it's, it's totally different. Whereas the other games I was looking at seemed like a, uh, take on magic this seemed like a completely new uh type of a a card game so that's, that's kind of what got me into that that and the whole uh high fantasy sticking mm -hmm. to it as much as i like magic it's going all these different directions i liked how flesh and blood is just kind of like all right here's our own place with our own lore one one setting one you know everything and mm -hmm. uh it felt like it's a more you know focused game um well maybe in 30 years we'll see okay yeah yeah <laughs> we're, we're so essentially back in dominaria for now but uh yeah, yeah, yeah. time will tell when we get a uh, transformer hero i know right yeah so who's <laughs> to say in the future but for now it's it's uh cool and, and both of them have their 
uh, their merits, which is why I like playing both of them. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of got uh, to where I was, I was trying the uh, the Blitz deck, just, you know, playing that with a, a couple of people at, at one game store. And I thought, well, let me see, you know, someone said there's a Discord group, and then I found a, uh, a nearby game store that had a stronger community and, and kind of got into it. But now I, um, I'm more trying to learn about the, the newest set because with every new set from Flesh and Blood, it kind of throws off the meta intentionally because they're always tweaking, you know, the meta, you know, trying to make it so it's fair and making for a good scene in the game. So I'm, I'm currently trying to figure out what I'm doing with, with my whole life in Flesh and Blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the newest one's Dynasty, right? It came out a, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty cool set. Um, it's, it's what's called an expansion set. So they got their booster sets. And if I ever mess up any terminology, well, you'll, you'll have to find someone who's, like I said, a more competitive, knowledgeable <laughs> player than I. Avid, casual player, as I say. There might be times where I'm talking about something and, oh, that's a magic term. Or, oh, that's not, you know, the, the word, whatever. But, like, yeah, you got your booster sets and then you got your expansion sets. The booster sets are where you can draft with them. Uh, you, you basically are focused on um, one or two uh, things, whereas the expansion set is meant to kind of like spread the wealth for all things. Interesting. So they do that because if you're playing as one hero or one one class, and then a booster set comes out that is not focusing on that class, well, then your hero or your your class might not get any attention. So you come yeah. around to that next expansion set, you're going to get some love from those cards, and that way it kind of keeps everything alive and and, and uh, flourishing. Yeah, yeah. And and just a, a quick aside to our, our um, largely magic audience, some of the best way to consider uh, certain characteristics of flesh and blood is essentially commander where you pick a class or hero and then every card has to either adhere to their um, class, be it, you know, barbarian or wizard or whatever, or be generic in type. As kind of an oversimplification, um, but when a new set comes out, it might have new cards for a particular set of archetypes, uh, but, you know, kind of like color identity, you might not find something that is for your particular commander. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good take. As, as clunky as it may be trying to fit one shape yeah, of yeah. a square hole. peg round hole. But yeah. <laughs> that's what's fun about it, because you have to relate to the different types of players for them to be enticed enough to try something new. But at the same time, it's got enough unique traits to it that it's going to be something fun for them to learn where they don't just feel like they're playing a derivative. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, I would say the uh, the fun part about it with regard to what I just said is is that you have things that are complementary where you can kind of compare them, but are also completely unique, which is why it's kind of fun to, to look at both. And when each new set comes out or a popular take on a format, you know, comes up like we're talking about you can kind of compare and contrast yeah definitely so travis chev Chev and i have started to get a little bit into flesh and blood but but here on the house of commons we're we're worried about the uh the common rarity stuff so i understand it that there is a format for flesh and blood that is essentially the equivalent of pauper and magic do you think you could walk us through that a little bit and kind of through that we might also explain a bit more about kind of how flesh and blood is functioning yeah, so without even comparing uh, the magic version yet of, of what we're talking about, just sticking to uh, Flesh and Blood and, and Commoner. So you've got your main formats of Flesh and Blood. you got Classic Constructed and Blitz. 
So when you're playing mm. Flesh and Blood, you are assuming the role of a hero. You know, kind of like uh, I already said, I'm not going into another game, but uh, how you, like you mentioned before, you're assuming um, one commander in commander uh, and a color identity like you have. Well, in Flesh and Blood, you are assuming the role of a hero, and that hero has a class. And so that hero and their class, will they typically will have uh, a certain amount of life, uh, standard 40 across the board for a, a classic constructed uh, age hero, they'll call the adult hero, right? So then you take that same hero, and most of them will have a young version. And so it'll say um, Bolton light warrior uh, light warrior hero right so you have three things you got the hero is Bolton you have the warrior is the class and then you'll have light which is the uh, talent and that kind of like gives you like a subclass if you will now you have your classic constructed format uses the adult version of Bolton the light warrior uh, adult hero uh, blitz uses the young version of Bolton which only has 20 so then you take that same young hero and apply that to commoner so that's, that's how you're starting off. And then with both Blitz and Classic Constructed, you're using any card that Bolton can use, whether it be a Warrior card, um, a Light card, a Light Warrior card, right? Any of those apply because it matches his class, matches his talent, matches the, the talent and class combination. Now you look at Commoner, you can only use any of those cards if they are of a common rarity. So right there, you're eliminating, of course, you got your uh, common cards, you got your rare cards, you got your legendary cards. You can only use, now that means your deck, that also means your weapons and equipment, mm -hmm. with an exception. So mm -hmm. as, as you're a warrior, you're taking the role of a fantasy warrior in a game, fighting another warrior, you have one or two weapons, and you have equipment. So in commoner, you are limited to two rares of either weapons and or equipment. So with everything else, you're, you're looking at uh, common rarity. The reason why they have two rares is, is using Bolton as an example. Um, there are actually a couple of, of weapons in the warrior class where you might have two hatchets. You know, so they're an axe type of weapon, and they're rare. So it would be kind of lame in my personal opinion if you can only use one of the two axes right so they have two uh rare options otherwise you're limiting yourself to common now that is pretty much if someone's looking at blitz as like a blitz deck in flesh and blood and they're wanting to get into it it's going to be pretty much tit for tat blitz with the reduction to the common rarity so it's really easy to get into when you look on the fabtcg.com website they even have their own uh rule uh page for it like it's it's an officially um i'll say officially recognized not supported format because they don't <laughs> have like they don't have a band list and all that stuff um they don't have like a advisory group looking after it they're definitely supporting the format they're making sure that they're putting out a, you know, a variety of common cards they just don't have like a you know like i'm saying like a, a group that's right. tending to because they they do they maintain and, and prune and cultivate this whole band list for class constructed and, and blitz uh whereas commoners more like it should be you know like a little bit of a, a wild child so yeah you're you're looking if anyone's trying to get into flesh and blood you go buy yourself a blitz deck and then if you want to just try a bunch of different heroes a lot of fab players you know they'll, they'll shorthand it 
will make commoner decks and just keep them with them. And then they'll introduce people to the Blitz format by just giving them a commoner deck. So if anyone's interested in trying the game, I encourage you to just find a, a local game store. You go on the Fab TCG website to totally plug away because it's great getting more people involved <laughs> in the game. Yeah. And you can go there and they'll... People that are like well-established players, especially the competitive ones that have bulk and they, they just make some extra decks to get new people into it. They'll make commoner decks and just keep them with them. Do the old rubber band. I've seen people like stack the commoner decks all rubber banded together. And then you can sit and you can try out the warrior. You can try out a brute. You can try out all these different classes with no worry about the high cost of building a deck. Yeah. Because, you, know, you know, with any card game, there's gonna you're, you're going to accrue some, some cost to get into a, a certain format. Right. So that, uh, kind of yeah. kind of bring it bring it back around. Um, we so we, we know we, we have flesh and blood, you have your warrior or you have your, your class hero. Uh, you have the equipment you can use. It's all common. Um, and the thing that kind of brought you to flesh and blood in the first place was, of course, it works not not very differently, but enough it is enough different from existing TCGs like Magic or even like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon in the way that it's all combat and, you know, you're a warrior doing stuff as opposed to kind of assembling resources in the same way. Um, has there been any overlap in strategy you're able to bring between that and something like Popper? Have you been able to take learnings from one format or, or a, a strategy that works in one format and try and convert it to another game? Uh, or do you see these as kind of just two completely separate entities with not a lot of overlap? No, there's there's some uh, overlap enough that will entice certain players, and by no means, like I said, am I uh, well versed enough in all the different. There are strategies as new of a, a game as as Flesh and Blood is. It's it's recently hit its three year mark, which is good considering it, you know, came out three years ago with all the stuff we've had in the world in the past three yeah, years. Yeah, so, launching in a pandemic is a uh, bold move. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my litmus test right there when I looked at the game on the shelf and I thought, well, there's no way they could have came up with this during the onset, there must've been a bunch of, you know, planning yeah. and for it to get all the way to the shelf here in the States and then have to endure this for it to then be a success. And me seeing, you know, the first worlds, you know, came out like a, a couple months ago in San Jose, California. So they were really doing a lot of good stuff, but to your question, yeah, there are, uh, like there's, there's aggro, uh, styles. There's, uh, I don't even touch the wizard, but the wizard, as you would imagine, yeah, wizard, has, wizard seems a little crazy, <laughs> has mind games about it where, I've played against the wizard and I'm playing my turn and the, the wizard's hitting me and I'm thinking like, yeah, of course this is what a wizard would do is deal damage to me on my turn. And so, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's fun stuff where, you know, that the ninja basically does a lot of, um, you know, like if you're imagining how a wizard uh, or a ninja would play, a ninja's playing a lot of rapid attacks. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, you can look at how you play in one format. Maybe you're playing PDH and you like going, wide or you like going tall there's different characters that do these different things and so you can kind of look at the different characters as two things you can look at them as just a fun hero to play as and then learn how to play as them or you can read about their play style and decide okay i'm, I'm more of a brute player myself now let me pick what hero of the brute class would i most you know prefer playing so yeah there are enough unique aspects to the game that entice people, uh, but there's also enough familiarity that will will be recognizable. Yeah, something something I would I would add to that as well at a more meta level, as opposed to an individual hero strategy, is playing even the the little flesh and blood that I've I've done. Um, 
it has made me much more comfortable with interacting with the stack in Magic. Whereas in Flesh and Blood, it's the combat chain. You, you start a combat, you create a link, and you have different reactions to it. But everything is kind of happening, you know, not necessarily at the same time, but people are reacting to each other, and that is just how the game really works. And so yeah. kind of taking that over to Magic, where a lot of my strategies have been more aggro, have been more creature-based, and now playing more and more comfortable with responding to other people's um, actions with actions of my own has been really helpful in both as kind of cementing that as an area of play I'm far more comfortable with. And that kind of, it, it really enforces itself, especially when you get more and more competitive um, in PDH where a lot of the biggest turns and actions happen on the stack. So having a background and having a game that could really train you in that, uh, it's the nerdiest CrossFit I can think of, but it, it really does help. <laughs> oh, yeah, it totally does. I know what you're talking about because I'll play Flesh and Blood and then I'll go play Commander later and I'm holding cards back. Whereas, you know, when you're playing Magic and you have like a full hand, you think, oh, I can do all these cool things. And then you have no hand remaining. And like, <laughs> yeah. It would have been helpful to have a play here, but instead yep. of reading, just did all I could. Whereas you can't do that in Flesh and Blood, and you know that'll uh, get your hero taken out pretty quickly. So yeah, it actually teaches me a little bit of a a bit of patience, I think. Mm -hmm. Especially because I th the the normal hand size of heroes uh, is four cards, I think, in Flesh and Blood. So yeah, you, yeah, you you have fewer resources that you're dealing with on a regular basis, and then of course one of the big things um, to again reach out to to the Magic players that might still be a little confused what we're talking about is every card in Flesh and Blood can kind of be used for three things, and it makes it that much more thoughtful when you approach, because the card itself can be played for an effect. The card is, every card is mana for other cards, or the card can be used to block attacks from your opponent. So not only are you sitting there with a group of cards thinking, you know, which ones am I going to play on my turn, but which ones am I going to hold up to block with? Which ones do I need to get rid of to play my effects? And then what is the best way to kind of interact with that and then approach these cards that have multiple uses in a, a very um, thoughtful light that with Magic, where cards usually have only one purpose, you might be a little less used to, I would say. Yeah, they talk about life being a resource, you know, sometimes in Magic. <laughs> Very much is a resource of flesh and blood. Yep. There's been a time or two where I've purposefully let myself go down to like low single digits, just knowing that if I pull off the move I want to, then I'll, I'll come out maybe not victorious because I don't know how they're going to respond, but you know, advantageous hopefully. And, and it's worked out because you're looking at, like you said, do I hold on to this card mm -hmm. instead of blocking with it? Because if I don't, you know, use it for a block and I instead use it for what I want to do on my turn, well, then it's going to be much better off. But I'm going to have to incur all that much damage. And then, like you said, most uh, have an intellect, which is how you know how many uh, cards to draw, how smart, I guess you want to say, which is semantics, maybe because the wizard and the brute both have, you know, typically four intellect and I'm sitting there scratching my head, but I'll say street smarts. But like, <laughs> they'll, they'll have four with the exception of one currently. Um, intellect there are some that have a little bit higher a little bit lower health um but that's where you have to figure out like okay i'm gonna be drawn and that's the fun thing too you draw at the end of the turn so then it makes mm -hmm. you think differently and so when you go from playing one game to the other it's like all right here's where i gotta really think about you know not just using the other side of my brain but okay, okay i can hold on these cards or i can play them all yeah yeah so uh before before we wrap up i think i have one one last question i want to ask you uh travis and that is what is your current favorite commoner deck that you've kind of put together or, or play with on a regular basis? What, what strategy in Flesh and Blood 
do you find yourself most identifying with? And then at the same time, what is a PDH deck uh, that you see yourself playing the most? Yeah, so, I mean, the fun of both of them is that low cost of entry is mm -hmm. anyone uh, familiar with PDH uh, is, and then the same fun would be had with the uh, commoner format of Flesh and Blood. So really when I've been buying some packs from Dynasty and looking at how those cards interact, I've been wanting to play as not just a, uh, a warrior, like I mentioned before, because I've, mm -hmm. I've been having fun playing a uh, brute hero named KO, which is kind of fun because some of them have like a plan of words. And so KO is kind of like an all or nothing guy where if he <laughs> hits you, like you're going to get KO'd, but you know, you roll dice a lot and you just you either whiff it or, or you go, you, know, you go hard, you go. Home. Um, so mm -hmm. with commoner though, I've been trying to play as an ax warrior. So there's not really a, a talent ax warrior. It's just kind of like I've, I've decided to build it with uh, ax in mind as the weapon. And there are weapon cards that are specific uh, toward the ax uh, weapon type. So it's like, if you, use the axe you get plus whatever right so i've been building with the new set an axe warrior uh deck so i want to try that one out i'm going to try it uh this week if i can get a couple cards from the game store uh to, to flesh it out so to speak but i want to get into that because i think it's fun with the warrior because there are some on hit bonuses where if you actually deal damage to the other uh hero then then you know you get benefits from that so i'm currently trying that um and maybe that's similar to my PDH interest of, you know, Boros. And, and really, I've just enjoyed Boros. Yeah, I'd say there's some similarities. <laughs> yeah, Boros might be where some people, you know, either turn their head or, or go to shake my hand. Uh, but, you know, having the, the brute that, you know, swings hard and the weapon attacks of a, of a warrior, that, that's more my style. Just, you know, I don't like that cerebral blue or, or wizard stuff. I just want to go, you know, beat that. Yeah, no one likes blue, at least on this yeah. podcast. No, no and, and people are griping on, on social media about the, uh, the wizards, just like they gripe about, you know, blue and magic. They gripe about wizards and fab. It's fun. Yeah. Has, uh, has playing Flesh and Blood made you more of a Voltron player at all? Seeing all the, the cool equipment um, that Magic's come up with? Obviously, you know, way different than your hero weapon, but yeah, I feel yeah. like after playing with some cool, you know, swords and shields, it always makes me want to <laughs> make a Voltron yeah. deck. <laughs> so, there's actually a, a mechanologist uh, way of playing that came out with Dynasty, which is really cool, and, and that's not really a class that I've really uh, considered but it's fun because it's, it's sort of like playing Voltron because you're basically assembling a mech with your Ooh. your uh, hero in a way where you you can uh, you're that's what the first people are saying when they saw these cards revealed during the spoiler season is oh you can have Voltron and Fab, um, but <laughs> I would say my um, correlation between the two would not be so much about Voltron but more and this is kind of like how I like playing um, when I play a Boros style deck is is not too wide, but wide enough to where, like, I, I want to make sure I'm making good use of my weapon. There are times where you right. play a, a flesh and blood deck where you're barely using your weapons, and then there's times where you're only using weapons. I like using the weapons and, and having cards in my deck that will uh, benefit from using that weapon. So I, I definitely yeah. like equipment and magic. I think that's a fun uh, way to play. Uh, I don't like to make myself such a, a strong uh, commander player in terms of all, all the stuff attached to my my commander <laughs> where I, I get, get targeted um i'm i'm what's that grixis which is the what red black uh blue, blue yeah it's just like the arch enemy i don't like to be yep. the arch enemy i like to like lay back in the cut where all of a sudden my equipment can get thrown on some other guy 
that is not yeah. the my commander. So I go wide enough to where I can pivot if I need to. So I think that's kind of what I like to do in, in Flesh and Blood is not rely entirely on the weapon, um, but make it to where, you know, if I can benefit from using it, well, then that's fun too. I would nice. say probably my, my favorite part of, of Flesh and Blood is that that visceral aspect of I am a hero and here is my weapon and I have just as many weapons as I have hands and I'm wearing all the right equipment and I'm not an octopus in boots that make me go fast, which I know, I know, right? is, yeah, is enjoyable in magic, but you know, you get too Voltron and you're like, all right, I'm carrying enough swords to be a one piece character and um, yeah. seven pairs of shoes. And you're like, this yeah. doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> have you yeah, really I've have been that building a, a wall deck and I'm looking at this sword in my, deck thinking like this doesn't make thematic sense i need to take this out like how is a wall <laughs> gonna carry a sword i don't know i don't know what, what you wall. guys uh uh prefer in terms of your uh your color combinations or, or what 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 would each of you say is something that you play in a uh, in pdh as, as your go-to uh, when well, you're looking at like what colors <laughs> I'll I'll break the, I'll break the silence. I like Simic. Yeah. I like green blue. But uh, I mean we're <laughs> we're we're looking we're mostly right, at a competitive CPDH. So that's where all the combos are. So that's that's what I Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I usually lean black first and foremost. Um I really like the the damage and using life as a, a key resource. And then normally that'll lean into to green or uh, recently with red. I really like Racto style builds. Um I have yet to have that transfer over to to the PDH. Besides, I really love playing with Azra Oddsmaker, who is incredibly powerful and just such a, a cool card advantage engine in uh, PDH in colors you rarely rarely see it in. So that is one of my favorite decks to play, uh, hands down. Yeah, those are both fun. Now, I, I've not been a fan of Simic because and I don't play uh, the competitive scene. But that's all about making the tokens and making the weird fractals and the slimes and all the stuff that just scares me because I don't <laughs> I don't know what to do when they make stuff that you know just keeps keeps coming back. But I would say uh, check out the uh, the rune blade. That might be something Ooh, fun okay. in, in flesh and blood if you like Simic because mm. that gives you a little bit of flexibility because you are using two different things. You're using your weapon, um, but then you're also dealing some arcane damage because the rune blade is someone that's kind of like a warrior that dabbles in magic. And so they've got a little bit of a, a wizard trait that they have some arcane damage they can deal, but you're also able to... So me thinking Simic is kind of like you're, you're messing with the other person a little bit. Like That's something that's fun watching Runeblade players do is, is they're able to swing in one direction or the other using you know weapon or, or, uh, or arcane damage. Oh, nice. I'll definitely have to check that uh, out I would, then. I would say that. You, you kind of get you, me with the, the black resource, like you said before. I already mentioned that. Mm. So I think we're already on the same page about that. I have been <laughs> playing some Orzov lately. In fact, there's this uncommon commander whose name I cannot recall. I saw on Twitter the other day someone mentioned him. I just don't think I can use them in PDH, but it seemed really cool because they're all about um, giving legendary creatures uh, one one, but they also have death touch and lifelink. So I was looking, I was like, all right, well he's he's worthless as a PDH commander, but how fun would it be to use an uncommon commander in, in EDH, you know, in com regular commander, um, because they'd all discount this lowly uncommon guy. Yeah, is that is that Arvad the cursed? The yeah. uh the Dominar, yeah, the five mana three three, death touch lifelink, other legendary creatures you control get plus two plus two. That yeah. guy's wild. <laughs> he seems like he'd be fun to build around, right? 
yeah, but yeah. definitely. Something I've been looking into doing, I've I've only just started doing is I've been having fun, you know, just building on uh, on my computer. I don't upload and all that stuff for people yeah. to judge my mock field decks or anything. But <laughs> <laughs> I've got like a OneNote with all my you know decks that I you know tailor here and there for fun uh, release in my off time. Um, I like making a deck in PDH that uses the same commander for EDH, and I've only done it with uh, one. Uh, commander so far where I can shift them back and forth, but I just think that's a fun concept because then you'll sit there with the, uh, the same. It is a uh, the gut uh, Baldur's Gate. Uh, oh, ooh, gotcha! And um, nice. I forget the uh, the name of the background um, because I'm sitting there and I'm having more fun building it than actually going out and and trying it yet. So of course it'll be an awesome deck until someone beats me up. Uh, yeah, with, yeah. My, with my own <laughs> fist and makes me punch myself with it. But what I think is fun is is swapping, you know, the one guy around because then it will show people, you know, hey, PDH can be fun because now you see a completely different uh, 98 in that regard, you know, set of cards where you can leverage this commander in a different way. Most definitely. That's awesome. That's what I think is fun about Flesh and Blood too is because you can do the same thing as, as Magic. You can use these common cards that... As more sets come out, people are talking about like, oh, hey, I'm going to be looking to play these high rarity cards more than these common cards. Well, that's just the nature of a uh, um, trading card game, right? You're going to have these lower rarity cards that aren't given as much attention. But then when you play commoners, oh, I've never really thought about playing with these cards in this way before. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing about about all these these common formats is you, you have to think of intricacies and in card interactions that you don't normally have to. Because it's all about each like each minutia of effect you can get out of a card as opposed to just, does this murder in an effective way? Does this get you a resource in an effective way? At common, you really have to think, you know, what is the absolute most I can stretch this card? And it, yeah. it really makes you think a little bit more. Yeah, A lot of yeah. nickel and Oh, there's another I like one I did in a PDH PDH. It's a green-white. I think also came out in Dominaria. That's what kind of got me in the idea because there's a bunch of uncommon uh, commanders in that set. Where it's a mm. Selesnia commander uncommon, where she gives all the uh, basically vanilla creatures uh, bonus. I'm sure you'll know who I'm talking about after you you married. Yeah, her, yeah, it, that was mm. the, from from the new Dominaria set. That was like one of the legends retold, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one of the few that they kind of gave a new uh, lease on life. And so I made two. I've almost got all the cards for the EDH one, but of course that one's. I'm not the type that'll. You know, I'd rather have. Uh, five one dollar cards and one five dollar card but oh I've yeah. Got yeah almost all the cards for the edh one where i want to go and do the same thing i've got that one commander and she's got her pdh version and her edh version mm. it's fun to me because then they're looking like i've never even seen this <laughs> whatever old dinosaur with no ability other than filling out old booster draft or something right yeah so yeah all of a sudden you're using that against them like having to you know reach over and, and look at this regular creature but now that regular creature is buffed up because of the commander and now it's a threat. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, that mentality. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's my my appeal uh, with trading card games is not not trying to uh, uh, manipulate anyone, but it's the the whole fun aspect of maybe some uh, mental subterfuge where you kind of make the deck in a way where you're not purposefully trying to not look like a threat, but you're making it to where they don't overtly see you. Is that yeah. immediately like i just look like i'm doing my normal thing but then they they don't realize until i've got my engines going right and i, Travis, I love interacting you, in these games 
Travis, were you talking about Jasmine Boreal of the Seven? Yeah, that's her. Yeah, three mana, two four. Tap to add a green white. Uh, spend it only to cast creature spells with no abilities. And then creatures you control, no abilities can't be blocked by creatures with abilities. Which yeah. in PDH, like we we've talked about a few times, whenever you get a, a solid anthem effect, um, you don't get them frequently. So th- yeah. something like this has got to be super strong for building up a board of vanilla creatures, which uh, must not be a drain on the wallet. <laughs> yeah, I mean because that's the thing. I wouldn't. I got so many off. Uh... I went on TCG Player and got a old stack of cards, which I felt bad for the LGS owners having to find all these old yeah. cards that probably had dust on them. And, <laughs> and who wants this? But yeah, all of a sudden it became a collective threat because, like you said, they all can pack a punch, and, and in PDH especially. But it's just fun to me because all of a sudden, like I said, the the subterfuge of these creatures that didn't seem like any threat individually, but now all of a sudden they're coming out together, yeah. swinging hard. Yeah. All right, I think I think that's all the uh, the, the the questions we have you tra- uh, we have for you, Travis. But um, before before we we let you go, is, is there anything you'd like to like to plug? Anything you're you're working on or want to talk about? Yeah. So just as I uh, mentioned earlier, and how my uh, personal hobbies and interests kind of carry over into my my professional side hustle, I've got a publishing company. I publish primarily. Uh, children's picture books. So I, I publish stuff for uh, the primary age reading audience, but I also try to make books for uh, parents and guardians because I talk about how I believe those that are um, purchasing my books for their kids should be a good reading role model for them. You know, we yeah. cannot tell our kids to, to read while we're on our phones all day. So I try <laughs> yeah. to make sure that our. A bit of a double standard there. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell my son to make his bed and I got to make sure. Trying to make my bed, you know, it can't, it can't <laughs> not be that. So, I uh, release books uh, along with my kids' books for uh, the guardians, and I have, you know, children's books and guardians' books. So, I've got a PDH handbook, you know, we call it the unofficial handbook of Popper Dragon Highlander. Uh, it's almost complete. We're looking at releasing it um, sometime next month, actually. We got the uh, PDF format, the visual script, you were. were uh, polishing it up with a, a group on Discord that's uh, well versed in different aspects of PDH. Like I said, I'm not knowledgeable on the competitive scene, nor am I trying to uh, yeah push <laughs> toward that because my main interest is just getting people uh, interacting, just like the kind of player I like to be. I I, I like the interaction of uh, trading cards games, and and I, I see uh, the common rarity TCG is the most uh, accessible for people. So that's the reason I'm putting this book out is because i want to have an accessible handbook for people wanting to get into this accessible format yeah that's incredible we love it fighting the good fight (laughs) yeah yeah that way we can all uh maybe eventually go to our lgs and see a copy of this book and and when people ask what the heck is pdh you can be like here get this cheap book about this cheap format and have some cheap fun with all of us yeah do all that grab food grab a a video game and still be cheaper than a entry-level commander get Oh yeah, yeah. And then you can sit there and try all the different uh, uh, two and three, and I don't ever mess with any more in three color combinations in Magic because I'm not hardcore like that. And then later on, you can you can try Flesh and Blood because the one the other thing I'll say is what's cool about the uh, interaction between uh, a game of Commander and a game of Blitz, or if you go and play, yeah, you know, the PDH version and the and the Commander version, is um, a pod consisting primarily of four players sometimes has 
uh, an empty seat waiting for a fourth or, or, you know, maybe people are going and playing to others. You can sit in the meantime, you know, us three are waiting for a fourth. Uh, one of us two can play a quick game of blitz. Yeah. You know, the same mm-hmm. goes for common. So the fun thing about it for magic players is, is what a lot of people, you know, that are playing both say is you could have uh, a blitz deck or a commoner deck with you as you're playing EDH or, or PDH mm-hmm. and between pods, just throw down a quick game of fab. Yeah. Yeah. Travis, well, that's awesome. You- Travis, uh, thanks so much for, for coming on. And it, it was great getting to talk to you, especially about, um, um, flesh and blood commoner. Cause I think that's something while, while Julian and I've played some blitz, we have not done much commoner yet. <laughs> that's step two. Yeah. Well, take a look. There's some great, uh, resources out there. Uh, flesh and blood DB, the Fabrary. There's, there's a bunch of really cool resources that'll get you a lot of, uh, deeper level information about the casual and competitive scenes that I'm able to provide. But yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> it's a great time talking to you guys. You too. Oh, yeah. It's been a great. All right. Um, welcome to our, our second commoner interview. We talked to Travis to kind of bridge a lot of the gap between um, PDH, PDC, and commoner. And now we've got um, two fantastic brewers from Germany uh, to talk about what it's like to run a commoner um, armory, I think it's called, uh, which not not a lot of um, exposure for at least Julian and I. So we're really excited to talk to um, Dan and... Um, David about what it's been like to kind of get get a, a community started over there. So first guys, um, welcome. If, if you wouldn't mind kind of introducing yourselves for a minute, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you for having us. Uh, I'm John, uh, also known as the crazy brew on Twitter and YouTube. <laughs> and um, yeah, my journey with uh, Flesh and Blood started in late 2021, when Welcome to Wraith first was released in uh, Germany. And um, I got wind about the game on YouTube, for example, through uh, Alpha Investments. And I and a friend, we thought, like, why not just checking it out? And we both bought a box of Welcome to Wraith and played a sealed at home during the height of the pandemic. And (laughs) it was a fresh new experience that blew me completely away because it was such an innovative um, card gaming system um, that I... I was just excited to play it, but um, life came in the life came in the way, and I lost interest at first. But then uh, I got in touch with the game again with the release of Monarch in uh, 2022, and that was the that was um, the moment where it really clicked with me, and I I fell totally in love with the game and never looked back. And it's the same story with David. Hi, <laughs> my name's David. Um, I've uh, not on Twitter, not on YouTube, but whatever. Um, I've started uh, with John uh, in 2022, uh, 2021, with Monarch because I saw him uh, on my on my local WhatsApp uh, and saw that he posted a, a photo of his um, Blitz decks, and I was like, "Hold Ooh, up, yes. so you're playing Flesh and Blood as well?" And he was like. So you're playing Flesh and Blood as well? Yeah. All righty. <laughs> let's do this. And uh, well, that's where the magic uh, started. Like, um, yeah. We knew each other from from magic tournaments uh, prior, so we we already had a established. Uh, uh, we we knew that we could w- work together well, and yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> we are Flesh and Blood brothers since. Yeah. <laughs> brothers in cardboard. I love it. I love it. <laughs> 
if we didn't already have a name for our podcast, we might have to steal that one because Brothers in Cardboard is a, a pretty solid anything. <laughs> to, to be honest, it's <laughs> yours to take. <laughs> the branding is endless. The branding is truly endless. <laughs> so, um, Julian, do you want to hop on the... Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so, so you guys are obviously flesh and blood fans, um, but specifically we're talking to you about the, the commoner format, which is the all commons uh, format that they've introduced and is moderately supported at least or at least recognized right so what what got you from playing flesh and blood in general to being enthusiasts of the commoner format who should answer uh, david you go first no yeah, sure i mean like i'm i may start um when we started flesh and blood uh, we did like everyone else we just bought packs we built decks brewed around and uh, uh, we also bought expensive legendaries, mm. very expensive legendaries, and <laughs> yeah. we had a lot of fun with them. Um, uh, and playing in our local uh, group uh, in our local town, uh, but we had only had four people armoring, and we were thinking to ourselves, "What can we do about it? We need to uh, acquire more people. How can we do this? Let's start a learn to play event. There are welcome decks um, with the Ira hero." But those are not really tournament legal decks because you have 40 card decks with three copies uh, or 30 card decks with three copies each of card, which is not legal in neither Blitz nor uh, nor or CC, or which is classic constructed the the regular 60 card deck format. Um, so we thought, why not just come on? Both of us uh, we have so much bulk around. Let's just throw together some of the decks. And let's just invite people over. And I myself bi uh, did build around 30 commoner decks from the bulk that I, that I had, um, which were not just uh, uh, going maybe to magic. It's not just grizzly bears. You really have strong cards in the... Uh, basically, all uh, commoner decks consisted almost cards with the power level of lightning bolt rather than grizzly bear. <laughs> so... It was a hell of a fun, and we kind of quadrupled our uh, attendee for the armories, for the local armory, with one um, event. And we gave uh, the, the decks out to the players, and we're like, just come back uh, the next weeks. We will start our armories, uh, uh, our local tournaments, our local weekly tournaments with the commander decks. So you get your deck for free, you come back, you play with us, everyone wins. And it got so much attention because people were enjoying the gameplay. They didn't have to bring anything to the table prior. Uh, just time and enthusiasm. And it just worked out perfect. Yeah, that was an amazing experience. Um, as David said, we were just a very small group of local players. And it was hard to get the armories fired. Um, and the success that we had with the uh, free decks that we gave out was just immense. And we didn't play a single game of Commoner before. We just thought we need an incentive to get people in. And what better yeah. incentive that uh, could you have in, uh, than the event is for free and you get free stuff on top. <laughs> that's that's really cool to hear Sign from from that perspective. Because a lot of the times, at least with uh, doings in my experience with you know Popper or PDH, the, the more magic formats, Yes, they are more accessible, and that is one of the big points uh, that we hit the drum with. Or, um, yes, they are cheaper to build, 
but we're normally coming from a place of having really strong decks and then joining that community. But we rarely see the community grows because it's more accessible. And so kind of hearing of you guys, a story of trying it one way, didn't work, try it with, you know, cheap cards and, and free access. And so many more people are involved. It's, it's very clearly that a uh, commoner was the success there. <laughs> don't need a, I, yeah. Don't need a control group for that one. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, um, one of the big criticism uh, towards Flesh and Blood is that if you want to pay to play competitively or at the highest level, you need to unlock your hero basically through the use of legendary equipment that drops just uh, like in every fourth display one, like every fourth box there's one legendary or something like that. Wow. It's it's it, it's getting better now. Uh, they are adjusting the drop rates for legendaries because you have, for example, Rainbow Foil legendaries. Uh, that appear more often than, for example, those uh, the so-called cold foil legendaries, which are the same legendary legendaries but with a different foiling and more rare. Um, but so what we learned um, with Kamana when we taught built the decks and taught people the decks is that, uh, and this is something that David is often saying, like every uh, flesh and blood deck. Their bread and butter consists of very strong common cards. And yeah. if you scratch the majestics and legendaries and rares from a deck, you still have a strong basis of um, really good common cards with which you can have the full flesh and blood competitive play experience mm -hmm. um, with the fraction of the cost, which lowers the barrier of entry so low that we can open the door for everyone who's interested with no problems. That's incredible. I love that. I love that. So, since since we started, um, we have established uh, some Blitz games as well. And one of our Ooh. attendees <clears throat> brought his commoner Dash Mechanologist deck. And he just stomped regular Blitz decks. <laughs> because it is uh, Dash can play with better cards. It has a better armor suit, sure. But they, she doesn't need the, the, the Majestics or the Rares because the commons are just so powerful. Um, uh, classes like the Warrior, you can't play him without commons because things like Hit and Run that give mm -hmm. you go again or things like Blade Runner that let Kasai make stupid, do stupid things. Without those cards, those decks could not perform at all. And those cost nothing, literally nothing. That's yeah. We we recently in um in the the competitive uh, popper commander world, we had an upset like that where there was a competitive um, commander tournament. It was a hundred dollar uh, deck limit, and someone that that we know uh, goes by the name Puzzle Box online. He came in and stomped with a, a popper deck, so you know ninety nine commons and then an uncommon uh, commander, and was able to kind of get it with a really grindy blue green uh, loop that uh, wow. <laughs> infinite mana into infinite shenanigans but it is crazy like when you get the right um commons what you can kind of do uh so so i know that or, or i think i know that the the commoner format in flesh and blood you have your deck of all commons but then of course the it's all the heroes are unlocked right since you can do kind of any any hero you want that's been previously printed um, it is entirely true. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> we have majestic uh, only heroes up to the rare uh, rarity are allowed to gotcha. play because okay. in Kamana, unlike in Pauper, you have 
two rare cards that you can play Ooh, in your okay. in your commoner deck um and that are specifically only rare and equipment that you can play as a as a rare is that right david you mean weapon and equipment but yes exactly. you, you have in your commoner deck one hero that can mm. be of rare or token rarity and you okay. have 11 uh, equipments and or weapons that you can put into your sideboard deck. because you have a 40 card deck like in the blitz format which you can't change uh, between matches. Your equipment suit, however, you can change. So mm -hmm. you can bring in null runes against those pesky wizards that come in with arcane damage, <laughs> or you bring yep. in a, a different weapon for a specific matchup. Um, but you can only bring two equipments and or weapons that are of the rare um, uh, rarity. Everything else has to be common, and every card okay. in your 40-card deck has to be common. Okay, and that we have we with just with uh, in Crucible of Worlds uh, and in Dynasty both expansion sets we had legendary heroes coming in. So ah, heroes okay. of the legendary rarity, and those you cannot play, for example, in uh, Commoner. So no uh, mm. Dromai dragons and all that stuff is uh, happening at a Commoner table. Exactly. Correct. Yes, <laughs> that's probably Dromai for the best. Dromai has to play with the Ashwings, uh, uh, Ashwings yes. exclusively at the moment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ashwings and all of those uh, strong generic phantasm attacks that uh, illusionists have oh, access yeah. to. Yeah. Which yep, are yep. amazingly strong and proper because no one is playing cards like Command and Conquer that could pop a phantasm. Right. With the, the, the regular power. kind of protection against. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. You just are sitting there and being like. Oh, so you're attacking me for eight with free resources. Well, thank you, I guess. <laughs> Please, sir, can I have another? You're allowing me to play another game quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the more games, the merrier, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So of, of the um, available heroes in, in Commoner, do you guys have a, a favorite deck or a, one strategy deck you kind of go to more frequently than another? Uh, for, me, well, for, me, go ahead. for me, for me, it's uh, Reiner. Um, the brute, mm. the OG yep. brute, um, because it is easy to play, um, and it's a solid deck in uh, Kamana. Uh, you are missing a lot of very important pieces that uh, that Reiner has in his in his toolkit, like for example, Bloodrush Bellow, which is an insane card. But mm. uh, even with common cards, if you build your deck just right. Uh, you still can abuse um, Reiner's Intimidate ability to uh, banish or, in magic terms, exile the hand cards of your opponent until the end of your turn and just swing for insane damage and bonk your opponent into the banished uh, into into the Shadow <laughs> Realm, um, uh, which is just a lot of fun. I enjoy Brute in every format. That's awesome. He's a true Brute card. <laughs> yes. Although... Uh, I have to say, um, there are many heroes that I like in 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 Commoner. Um, but if I want to, if I would want to go competitive, I would go with the Warrior. Um, either with Kasai, uh, with uh, the two Centauri Sabers, because all of the good common uh, Warrior Go Again cards, like um, Hit and Run or like Blade Runner, are commons. So you don't need them. You just need two cards. One of uh, the uh, aforementioned and one blue pitch, or in Kasai's 
case, even a yellow pitch would be sufficient to <laughs> attack for minimum of four damage up to a, a damage of uh, three for the first swing plus six for the second swing up to nine damage, basically. Which is in a 20 life uh, account format yeah, maximum. That adds up. <laughs> that adds up very, very quickly. So if you go competitive, Aurea is definitely uh, uh, worth a look. Otherwise, play whatever you want. The, uh, the wizards, for example, are amazingly funny because you don't have access to all the good equipment. So you can't mm -hmm. just say, haha, lol, I'm going to uh, uh, burn away all your HP in one round because I just drew the complete nut hand. Um, you have to work for, for, your, for, your, um, for your win. And you need to get creative during deck building, which is the other part that makes commoners so great. Because yeah. even though it is only commons, and even though we are only at the... Uh, which set are we on now? It's the seventh. Oh, should be a seventh set. Dynasty came out, mm. and then there was that. What, what is it like? D Dynasty should be seven. Yeah. Uh, oh, we had. Uh, we had. Sounds right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it should we be had right. welcome WTR, Arkin Rising, uh, Crucible, Monarch Tales, Everfest, uh, Uprising Dynasty. Yeah, eight. We have eight sets uh, of, until now. The the variety <laughs> of decks that you could build for each uh, class is still so great that you... Mm. I mean, you could technically build a wizard and only build physical attacks with him. Would it be good? Probably not. But it would <laughs> completely... But you have the ability. <laughs> yeah, you ha have the ability and will blow out your opponent because he will be like, you do what now? <laughs> <laughs> So there's there's so so many possibilities and uh, not even talking about cards that might come or heroes and and classes that might come with the game. It's just uh, if if you want to go deep down the rabbit hole, the amount of possibility is just yeah. I I love to hear that. That was I was actually going to ask a bit about deck diversity because. Not only one, we're only playing with commons, right? Uh, it's a relatively new game, so the card pool itself is uh, not that large. And then especially if you're talking what's really viable if you like actually want to win. But I love to hear that you can already do so much, and it's only going to expand, obviously, as we get new sets. So that's, that's awesome to hear. Yep, that's true. Um, I mean, um, the thing is, you cannot make a warrior into... A wizard by mm. there you do you do not have that kind of freedom however something that I've learned during um, during my time in flesh and blood is you can still within the card pool give your own expression to your hero de depending on the decisions that you make mm. in that building and just the slightest change may uh, let uh, leads to the deck feeling completely different um, and so every decision in deck building really matters in uh, flesh and blood and just mm -hmm. and also something that i want to say is um with every set we get either new classes or new class support uh for that bring a new wind into the existing classes now with dynasty almost every class got um new support 
And uh, the best example is Dash, because if you give Dash just one or two new cards, the viability of Dash is again catches up with the rest of the other classes and is full <laughs> room. Currently, Dash is considered to be one, if not the best deck in the formats overall, just mm. with the uh, with the card support of Dynasty. And so every set has a big impact of the, on that game, and it's just a brewer's paradise. Oh, love it, love it. <laughs> and I mean, if you want to go full meme, you can always play Data Doll uh, with the new Dynasty release of blue and yellow pitch uh, hyperdrivers. She actually got a bit better. Maybe not in Commoner, because you don't have the mechanoid, but in general. Yeah. <laughs> those are so so those are both uh mechanologists, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so so to to give a little background as well, um Julian's and my uh exposure to flesh and blood so far has been uh playing with the the blitz decks we can buy off the shelf. Uh, I've mm-hmm. I've really gotten into um I think is it Oldham? Um, was mm, one that very I got, good. and big smashy stick uh, and a giant grandfather Norse god seemed pretty pretty sweet. Uh, and we we were playing with those while watching the the San Jose Worlds a little bit. Um, and that was that was like the bet that that's what led to the kind of inspiration for this podcast is knowing that there's other formats out there and wanting to and and games really and, and learn more about them. But uh, so speaking a little bit to the. the the fact that you can, in fact, play with different types of cardboard. Um, previously to us kind of starting recording, you guys had said how you you knew each other from from Magic events. You you have played Magic for many years, and I remember uh, John um, saying that once you kind of started Flesh and Blood, you never looked back. Uh, so what what kind of what were the biggest changes, and what what has kept you coming back to Flesh and Blood while maybe taking a, a breather from um, magic and magic ecosystem yeah sure so i've played magic the gathering actively for a decade commander um and modern (laughs) especially wow and when the pandemic hit um the local scene in magic um dried up a little bit um Mm. in person play Mm. obviously wasn't uh, wasn't possible and webcam play wasn't as established at that time and me, being someone who is very addicted to card games, um, wanted <laughs> for, uh, wanted a new experience. And Flesh and Blood came out in Germany, and uh, Welcome to Wraith was available, um, unlimited, the unlimited version, sadly. Um, but and we got a box, and Those I tried white borders. It with a uh, not no not white border. It's just black border reprints of the oh gotcha of okay the usual set, um, and. Well, I, I and a friend, we, uh, my friend Tishi, we started playing Sealed. We just uh, we just uh, opened up a YouTube video uh, where it was explained how to play Flesh and Blood, and uh, we took six packs of Welcome to Wraith, opened it up, looked at the cards, just jammed them together, and just tried our first steps in the game. Mm-hmm. And I've played. Magic the Gathering for a long time, Netrunner, I was super invested in Keyforge, and I loved all those games, but Flesh and Blood is such a unique system, like any, unlike anything that I have ever played before, that completely blew away, simply because you have that role-playing 
element of choosing yeah. a hero of a certain class. You equip him with uh, with epic uh, equipment that uh, that is available for you to use, just to block with them or use their special abilities. Swing your weapon and uh, smash your opponent with immense attacks. Mm -hmm. That that role playing element is. Fantastic! You are so invested in your hero, you can just express yourself by just finding the class that you love and the hero that you identify with. And the uh, and on the gameplay side, um, one thing stood out for me the most, and that is the resource system. You know, in Magic, if you draw too many lands, you you have nothing to play. If you drew, mm -hmm. uh, if you're not drawing enough lands, you cannot play anything. Um, and that leads, as we all know, to non-games that we all had. But in yeah. Flesh and Blood, because yeah. that the fact that every card has a resource cost and also the ability to be pitched uh, to generate resource to pay the cost of other cards, you can always do something. You will, you are, you, you will never look at your hand and say you can do nothing. You can either you can block with cards, you can attack with cards, you can use cards to pay for other cards, and this flex uh, flexibility leads to super interactive games where everyone is involved in every minute of the game. And the next thing that was to, that blew my mind completely was the next level, that is the pitch system. As I said, you can mm -hmm. pitch your cards to pay for other cards, and the cards that you pitched to generate resources will be put uh, under your deck at the end of your turn. And because you draw up to the full hand size of four cards usually at the end of your turn, you will eventually uh, see the cards that you pitched at the start of your game how they and they are landing back into your hand because you naturally draw them. So if you are playing the long game and you know that, you can strategically pitch a certain combination of cards under your deck so you draw them. Uh, so you draw, for example, the right combination of cards at the exact Ooh, moment that you yeah. need them, and unleash a combo on your opponent to win the game. Just this level of foresight that you need for the game, this uh, this ability that you need to remember your own pitch, but also track the pitch of your opponent to know what they might have in their hand uh, in the later stages of the game, is just. I, I just I getting goosebumps yeah. just thinking about this. It's just <laughs> next level. <laughs> yeah, I think that that is something that I've I've really enjoyed with uh, my limited experience with the game so far is just how every card has minimum three ways you can use it, whether it's for resource, whether it's for blocking or attacking, and so you never have a dead draw, and you're also seeing so much more of your deck. Where one of the big things in Magic is you build your sixty card deck minimum or your hundred card deck in in the commander formats. And you're not going to see, you know, 80% of those cards over the course of a game, most likely. Uh, so having a much, a much uh, better idea of everything in your deck because you get to see everything feels super fun. Because like you said earlier, uh, that makes every change much more impactful when you know you're going to kind of see it over the course of that, that gameplay. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's, it's fantastic to, if you build your deck, as you said, you see most of your deck. Uh, and um, so you have the feeling that you express all of the deck building energy that you put into your deck in the course of the game and see what you created. And that's just amazing. Yeah. Now, David, um, I, I want to get your answer. But first, we need to know the name of your cat. So David's had a, an <laughs> orange cat <laughs> popping onto his lap. And I'm, I'm well, very interested. <laughs> well, 
that that fella was uh, uh, Luca. He's he's Luca? my absolute oh. fan. And the other one, Sakura, is just picking up on me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Practicing their hunting skills. But she's she's also a dog. Oh, oh incredible. But she doesn't. <laughs> um, um, maybe first do the uh, brewing part. Jan is not called the crazy brewer for nothing. You can brew <laughs> so many spicy things, so many ridiculous combos that are currently will see no play at all, but they might in the future because we are still so limited. We still haven't explored <laughs> the uh, PVE format that is supposed to uh, uh, drop yeah hopefully okay which will be hopefully we don't know uh, something along the lines of the uh, world of warcraft raid system mm -hmm. or something completely different something completely cooperative who knows we don't know only lss knows and they don't want to tell <laughs> us until it is finished but we are so hyped everyone is so hyped about this this as a casual let's sit together on friday night with some friends who play magic who never played flesh and blood have a good game. Mm -hmm. um, but the general gameplay of 1v1, which is, I mean, pauper, modern, uh, yep. uh, standard, everything is a 1v1. And in Flesh and Blood, this can't be truer because you have two heroes sitting across from each other on the table, staring each other down, and then brutally murdering each other with weapons <laughs> and attacks spells. It's amazing. Um, the best part about Flesh and Blood and Flesh and Blood's gameplay for me is the fact that you um, have no stop uh, action. Y you start mm -hmm. the game and you are already completely in because both players draw up to four cards. The first player does its, his turn after his turn, both players draw up to four cards, and then only the player whose active turn it is right now draws up to four. So the defending player has to decide, okay, I want to use two of my cards to block and two of my cards to engage. Or my hand is amazing, and I can do 30 damage with my, with my four-card hand. But I have to take everything that my opponent throws at me. And if your opponent, in that second has the perfect hand as well, yeah, guess then you're <laughs> shit out of luck and you have to tank almost everything they throw at you uh, until the point when they say, okay, and now I'll attack you for lethal. You're like, oh, God damn it, I had you. <laughs> but now I have to block because otherwise I will die. The, yeah. the, the, the rule, the only life change that matters is the one from one life to zero. Can't mm -hmm. be truer and fresh life is a resource and this game of tempo starts turn one and ends after one of the players is and that is just amazing you you can uh, stack your pitch with uh, heroes like Oldham uh, uh, you have to because you are slow you are very slow and after yep. after you've seen your deck once or twice you start punching through your opponent because they have no resource left and you can just completely demolished. Um, other heroes like Fi or most of the ninjas are just I'm going to throw everything in your direction and I hope that you don't stand after I'm done and have no 
it is it is amazing. It just makes mm. so much. Fun. And I love I love magic. I love magic for twenty years now. Um, it is it will always be the trading card game, right? But the part of I draw seven, I got no lands. I need to mulligan. I draw up again. I still got no lands. I draw up again. I got four lands. Well, thank you, I guess. But <laughs> it just it, it 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 hurts so much. In Flesh and Blood, there is not yeah. even a mulligan. The only way you could mulligan is by saying, "I go second. You please attack me. I'll block with all cards I don't want. Um, keep the ones that I want, and then draw up to full." That's and that's that about it. And there's even the mind game that if you know that your opponent wants that you attack him so he can uh, uh, block with the bad cards in his hand and basically filter his hand, you just say, I arsenal my card and pass. And you don't get to, uh, you don't get to mulligan at all. <laughs> mulligan in, uh, in, yeah. Wow. Dang, I didn't even think now, of that uh, part. Uh, David, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, you did have a, a bit of a spicy take also before we were recording about uh, the various common common formats are you willing to uh to to share that with an audience um I, I don't know the exact words that i used but i think um it was something along the lines of commoner is superior to pauper <laughs> oh oh now those those are some fight <laughs> he, hear me out he, hear me out on this hear me out on this no it might be that might be a bit harsh but i think that the commoner format brings more to the table than the pauper format. I have played some pauper, not I'm not that into it, but I know that there are ridiculous combos that you can pull off with pauper. Mm -hmm. But if you want to pull them off, you need to go back into uh, legacy card pools, and that can get quite expensive. Um, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. This is just not the case with Flesh and Blood. Plus, in Flesh and Blood, you can take a deck that is played in the Blitz format because it's more uh, similar to the Commoner format. Exchange all the rares and majestics from the deck. Exchange all the legendaries from your equipment pool um, against something that still does thing, but is weaker than its rarer, rarer part, rarer counterpart, and still have an amazing game. You mm. never feel like you are playing with underpowered 2-2 two, two, uh, grizzly bears for two. You only play lightning. You only play the 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 brainstorm, for example. Everything Ooh. is bonkers strong. 90% of the backbone of every flesh and blood deck, no matter the format, are the common. You can't play flesh and blood without in Magic commons are uh, sometimes uh, an auto-include because they are so good. Otherwise, the proper form probably would make <laughs> that much sense. Um, but the fact that there is nothing that is that is a dead card, and even cards that are not played currently, um, there might come a hero that will play those cards and completely go to the moon with it. My favorite example mm -hmm. of this is um, the winning deck of the world uh, this year, um, Iceland. 
Icelander brought to the table a card from Welcome to Rave called Wounded Bull. Wounded Bull is a card that costs 3 and attacks for 7. It attacks for 8 if you have less HP than your opponent. So in general it is you have a blue pitch card in your hand and Wounded Bull. And if you have less HP than your opponent then you can attack with uh, basically 2 card hand for 8. Which is above Sick, average. Right. Which mm -hmm. is very above average. Icelander can do this turn zero because she starts with a lower life total than most classic constructed heroes, which is 36 against 40. Mm -hmm. So she can in initial uh, internally use this card to her advantage. Wounded Bull isn't a good card, but it is in Icelander. <laughs> and that's the, the same principle applies to so many other cards. We have some cards that were... Have, saw no play at all in the competitive formats but then a new hero came out that could utilize them and mm. that's the beauty of it you have so much design space still and even to this day i don't i can't think of a card where i say this card is bullshit don't don't play that card that card is useless don't 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 play it if you would mm. ask me would you play a grizzly bear in a green magic deck i would say Hell no. Uh, unless I play Bear <laughs> Tribal. Then, yes, yeah. then I would play Sure. But if there, if you would tell me, could you play Come to Fight in a Flesh and Blood deck? I would say, hell yeah. There is a rune play called Viserai that will just say, ooh, one resource, a non-attack action that makes A, my hero ability active, and B, empowers my next attack. Yes, please. I want that. Mm. So, it is just you have only powerhouse in the yeah. commoner format. And no yeah. doubts. Yeah, I think uh, m maybe that's that's also keying into the idea of vanilla creatures being something that really isn't... They're, they're, they do things in magic, right? They'll go onto the board and they can attack later. But in Flesh and Blood, where every card is essentially an action or a spell, you know, each one is moving the gameplay forward in one direction or another, whether you're using it to block or using it to set up an, an attack or something like that. So that's that's a really good analysis. Yeah, exactly. I also think that Flesh and Blood has uh, some of the benefits of, you know, TCGs uh, developing right, over right. the last, on the last 20, 20 years. 30 years. We've kind of moved <laughs> yep. through the stage where, you know, if you think of like very early magic cards or even like early Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards, there was a lot of just chaff where they were just like mm -hmm. kind of figuring things out and flesh and Healing blood is self. just like, no, 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 we're, <laughs> we're just getting to the good stuff, which is uh, always mm -hmm. nice as yeah. well. Yeah. And uh, just circling back to our common armories. Um, so as David said, we opened a lot of product uh, in the, in the, <laughs> in the short time that we are playing uh, and we bought cases upon cases upon cases of uh, flesh and blood uh, product. And uh, thus, those big white boxes with common set we have, mm -hmm. it's it's a gold mine. It's a gold mine. Ooh. As simply as that. I, I can I always go back to find new cards to brew new decks with that. Or as we are doing again for our next Learn to Play event, which is coming before the release of the next Flesh and Blood set. Mm -hmm. Um uh, this is our resource to grow our community again. So we are again, uh, we are back at building decks and uh, uh david is showing his next hall of commoner decks that he's building right now he's <laughs> a real trooper like he puts time oh, wow. in it. 
oh the stacks of decks that he built and that we are giving out. This is, yeah, what he's holding right there. This is uh, for our next um, Learn to Play event, where in which we give people the opportunity to basically choose their very first Pokemon uh, on their journey oh, of becoming. That's so cool! Yeah, of becoming uh, the next hero of Wraith, which is uh, the word that um, Flasher and Blood is playing in. And, that's incredible. And seeing that, seeing just watching the new players. Um, choosing their very first deck after we explained them the classes it's always great because they are they are already coming primed right if you're mm -hmm. uh, if you're if you are playing magic if you're playing any kind of role-playing game you know you are you like to be a ranger you like to be a necromancer you, you like to be a tank yeah. in any shape or form and if we ask them what they like in terms of gameplay or, of, or from their role-playing um experiences we can give them a curated uh, experience of, yeah. hey, these are, are your options, choose wisely. And uh, oftentimes they chose right. For example, we had a new player who chose to play as a Liam, the OG Ranger of Flesh and Blood, and he sticks with her uh, to this day <laughs> and really tries to nail down the gameplay of Azalea and uh, run with her. That's just mm. impressive. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think we're, we're we're coming to the end of the uh, the the planned questions. Um, Julian, do you have any 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 more things you want to ask before we we turn it back to to these guys one final time? I guess uh, one question, but also maybe uh, another way for you guys to shamelessly plug a little bit. How do you how do you get the word out? How do you uh, attract people to come in and play at your your learn to play events? I I, know, I think you guys do like weekly events as well. How has that experience been, and what are you guys doing to kind of really bolster your community because i think you guys are doing a phenomenal job yeah uh, seriously i can elaborate on that and that is the uh, the the frame of the learn to play event is basically a full-blown marketing campaign <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm a marketing manager at uh, at trade uh and uh, working for also for a gaming company and um, oh wow uh, nice. When we wanted to start those learn, those learn to play events, I was like, okay, but if we are making a learn to play event, we have to properly advertise it so that people mm -hmm. are actually aware that there is an opportunity to learn a new game. Uh, right. And um, so I was managing the organization of the learn to play event. Uh, we were we were working closely together with the store owner who graciously opened up his place um, for to host this event. Um, and uh, we set a date. Uh, I created a, f a classic Facebook event. Uh, I <laughs> set up an advertisement campaign, actually, um, and uh, created posters, assets to uh, advertise it via via WhatsApp groups, via our German disc, uh, German uh, national flesh and blood Discord, and we actually oh, wow. tried to make use of every channel that is available to us. Mm -hmm. To make the to get the word out in uh, with enough lead time so that people can actually pre make time for this event right because everyone is busy nowadays and people you cannot say hey tomorrow is an event do you come right right uh, they need to they need to plan it yeah, yeah. exactly so that's why uh, I started advertising the the event three weeks ahead of time so that we uh, that we reach as much people as possible early enough so they can just make time for it and actually mm -hmm. come uh, and. And, uh, but I tell you what the what was the most uh, effective marketing channel, and that was a twenty cent 
poster that I printed out at the next copy shop and hung up in the store because yeah. people are frequenting this. You have you cannot imagine how many people frequent a game store that is in, in the city center throughout three weeks. And people will just see a big ass poster hanging around saying <laughs> you get free stuff if you want to learn this game. And um, that I, I tried to ask everyone who attended this event um, how they got wind of that, and they said there was a poster hanging, and it was like, yeah, why not? Uh, and yeah. that was oh, actually incredible. the most effective piece. Um, and uh, we do it again for the next event, um, but again with enough lead time. We again stress every channel that we have available, um, and uh, try to get again completely new people in to for the mm -hmm. next. Event. You heard it here, oh, folks. But <laughs> please, please, please don't talk yourself down because you did an amazing job creating this post. Because this poster by now is shared across the whole Germany uh, uh, Flesh and Blood Discord. And everyone across every uh, major city in Germany is using Chan's poster by now. So if you're in Germany or Germany-based and you walk around and see a want to learn Flesh and Blood poster, it's, uh, it's a good chance that Chan uh, uh, designed it. Yeah, thank you. We, we didn't imagine. It, 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 absolutely, yes. We didn't imagine that it would just make the uh, draw the these big circles. Like, I didn't just want to make this event and make it successful. I wanted to share this as, uh, and yeah. I, share, uh, I shared um, the whole event in the um, German Flesh and Blood Discord, and. We have certain places in Germany that were struggling to build up the community and that actually inspired them uh, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. make the same event uh, and maybe also uh, give out um, Kamena decks and start with Kamena. Uh, and yeah. uh, because uh, uh, this event uh, grows, uh, grew such roots, uh, I was amazed that uh, in other places um, people got in touch with a, a fantastic game because of the simple initiative that two dudes uh, yeah. uh, took in their, in a hometown just to grow their own community. So, And another thing, and I'm sorry if I'm taking all the time up here, uh, is um, another impressive thing was friends. Uh, so people that you brought in bring other people in. And they, mm. these people bring their friends with them as well. So it it uh, it has some yeah, sort of it, ripple it, effect. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Legitimately inspiring. Absolutely amazing. You heard it here, <laughs> folks. If you want to make it happen for Flesh and Blood or for Popper or for whatever you're doing, all you gotta do is just make a nice poster. That's it. <laughs> and and also That's put right, in the work and the time and have the Germany you know the, also help, but. the effort. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, that's it. awesome. I, I, I think that that kind of comes to the end of our time. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for, for agreeing to come on to this. It was great to learn about the, the creation of the, the armory, um, how accessible the commoner format is for Flesh and Blood and how it still maintains the, the power level of the decks. And I think we I, I love the, the technical discussion we were able to get into how since each card has a, a multiple use cases, you never feel like it's a dead draw. And um, David's completely accurate statement that he'll stand by 100% that Popper is, in fact, inferior to Commoner. So, good thing he doesn't have a social media presence, but... <laughs> Stop starting beef, Chev. And I will probably, not by now, uh, I won't start one. So, don't at me. 
for safety, for his own personal safety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Uh, did you guys want to? Well, I know David, you said you're not on social media. Uh, John, did you want to plug your your socials or or whatever one more time for the listeners? Definitely. Uh, yeah, um, I'm known as the Crazy Brewer on Twitter. You might have seen me if you're running around in Twitter flesh and blood circles. You find me at the Crazy Brew, uh, the underscore uh, crazy underscore brew. And the same handle is available for uh, YouTube, where you can uh, where you can find my YouTube channel. I wish I could I had more time to put into my YouTube channel, but if you just have the time, leave a like and subscribe in my on my channel, that would be most appreciated. I can only recommend his channel because he has, as I said, <laughs> the spiciest brews that you can imagine. Ooh. And some some things are bounced off between the, the two of us when we are driving back from some bigger bigger tournaments. And mm. then you come just up with you can cash in away your weapon to generate silver. What do you do with the silver? Nothing yet, <laughs> but there might be a time, and then the loop starts. So I don't want to spoil any videos, but take a look; it's good. Well, all right. I think I think that about um, um sums it up. Thanks again, guys, for for agreeing to this. Thank yeah. you for having us. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. It was a pleasure. Couldn't have said it better. Well, Chev, that was a fun little look into a popper-esque format in a, a separate TCG, Flesh and Blood. Yeah, no, that was that was awesome. Also, have to thank you know the the community for being so open and willing to to talk to us as well. Uh, I think to this day the tweet asking for any information on the commoner format of Flesh and Blood has like the most replies or mentions of anything we've ever put out. Yeah, <laughs> it turns out when you have a small but dedicated group of players, they're just going to find any and every mention of their uh, preferred format. So crazy how that works. Yeah. Anyone hear of a uh, popper commander? <laughs> That sounds like a great idea. Is that is that trademarked or anything yet? Should we should we... we should do a podcast about that. <laughs> this has been uh, this has been fantastic. As we, we've kind of covered throughout this, uh, Julian and I have been getting a little into to flesh and blood as a whole. So learning that there are more accessible options out there, are more interesting things that align with our our current desires for more complex formats or budget friendly and all of that. Commoner seems like a really cool place to start. Uh, or find a local game store that has as generous people <laughs> to give out free commoner decks to everyone and uh do that uh but anyway you can kind of interact with the game this is a really cool and refreshing uh game system that is very fun to play uh and i think the new set comes out in march i think it's outlanders sounds right and it introduces at least four new heroes uh and looks super fun new blitz decks coming as well that are largely commons if you want to jumpstart into commoner uh for like 15 bucks which is crazy when you think about it uh price wise that is that is super helpful but on tcg player our sponsor you can probably get one for half of that yeah for sure oh well that's that's gonna do it but uh we encourage you guys to check out flesh and blood remember that there are other ways to enjoy the popper format uh the the popper format and spirit if you will the multiverse of popper formats really oh yeah popper multiverse something <laughs> julie make it a title the multiverse. The multiverse. <laughs> that sounds God. like poultry. That sounds like chickens from all dimensions. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like we should maybe end we this should, podcast we end this and podcast, uh, yeah. see the listeners in the next one. This is a unofficial after dark. It's time to go to bed, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So one of us is wasted on margaritas, and it's not me. Hey-oh. <laughs>